I'm not finished because I want to finish this series today on a Sunday on messages, preaching. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we have a great time of teaching and sharing, and I expound a little bit more on bold revelation and what I preached on Sunday. I go a little bit more in depth in the teaching setting on Wednesday night. So come Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Be challenged and be excited over the Word of God. Let's go celebrate the Word of God here in the sanctuary. The teens have their group this Wednesday night, and Kid Men has their group. We now have a preteen group along with the younger age children. So I just want you to mark your calendar. Do you, do you keep a calendar on your phone? Do you ever use the alarm on your phone? I want you to set the alarm Wednesday at 12 noon. And on the alarm, it's going to show, it's going to say, Going to church tonight at 7. Set the alarm. Be here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. I'd love to have you come. We have a great time, adults, in this study and this worship together. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 through 22. Before I read those verses of Scripture, I want to recap. We've gone through the seven letters in Revelation when chapter 1 was revealed the glory of Jesus who Jesus is and the glory there and the things that Jesus said that he was were many times in the letters sent to the churches is a repeat to them of one particular thing about him to the churches of who he is and so here in chapter 2 and 3 are these letters sent to seven churches of Asia Minor that are pertinent, important words for the church of today. I've never seen a time more needed to look at these letters, look at this message. What is Jesus speaking to our church today and to people today? In Ephesus, the first letter of the, uh, the one first church in the seven churches of Asia Minor, we emphasize that bold love. You know, there is something about bold. We do put it up on the wall. This year has been the year of bold. It's been our theme. So bold revelation. So in Ephesus, we find bold love. Bold love. They lost their first love. They need to regain their love. Bold love. Smyrna church was a bold endurance. They were a persecuting church. Persecuted so severe, but they were living righteous before God. There was nothing wrong with them. Nothing Jesus could find fault with them. Pergamos was something I called the bold confession of Jesus' name. They knew the name of Jesus. They used the name of Jesus. Then Thyatira was bold tenacity. To hold fast what you have. Strengthen what remains and hold fast. Sardis is a need for bold revival. They thought they were alive, but they were dead. Jesus said they were dead. And they needed revival. Come alive again. Philadelphia church, they were a bold awakening. To awaken and realize that now it's time to wake up and know the time has come. But they were a church that were all lined up in the right way. A bold awakening is a bold outpouring of God. And Philadelphia church did things right. They had a little strength, but a little strength was enough. Strength in that verse of scripture in Revelation is the word deutimus. And deutimus is the same word used in Acts 1 and 8 that Jesus told his disciples. And you shall receive power 
after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you the word dudamus so Jesus said you got a little strength but man you've got enough that goes to tell you that you don't have to be super Christian to be victorious or let me rephrase it you don't have to be super perfect because perfection is a different interpretation of scripture rather than interpretation in this world but we're being forgiven of our sins. We're walking in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and growing in him. So therefore, a little strength will go a long way. It was enough for Philadelphia to defeat the enemy and become victorious. A little strength, a little dunamis, a little power. The power literally that birthed the church of Jesus Christ. Then the last one today is... I want to talk about bold investment. Bold investment. Would you stretch your right hand toward the front here? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that every word that you want us to hear and understand, we receive. And, Lord, that, that we know that you're talking to us, and we want to be, as you said time and time again in every letter, he that has an ear, listen and hear what the Spirit has to say to him. Lord, we, our ears are open today. Speak to us, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it. Amen. And amen. We, we discussed the fact that every letter represented a dispensation of the church age. And I'm not going to go through the whole list but we know Laodicea is the last of the line. We know Laodicea is from 1900s up and even today to the coming of Jesus. Philadelphia Church is a church established that is waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ. And they're, 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 they're living for God. But there's the Laodicea age that I want to talk about a little bit today and talk about the bold investment. Laodicea is the final church age until the time of the great tribulation. The, world, the word Laodicea is, is made up of two words. These two words are laos, which means people, and dekazo, which can mean either a personal, personal opinion or a decree sentence given by a judge. Therefore, we can find that the word Laodicea can mean both people's opinions or people's judged. It can mean either or, but Laodicea. And boy, I think that's pertinent today, man. I mean, I mean, there are opinions all over the place. We're just filled with opinions. Information age has brought out so much opinion in so many people, and the social media has given us a venue to share our opinions. It used to be we had to either tell someone personally, individually, or have to dial their, and this is the old way of dialing, dial their number and then talk to them on a solo basis. But not with social media, bless God, ever gazillion friend that's, that's out there that you have said, friend, friend, you're my friend. I don't know you, but you're my friend. You're a mass murderer, but you're my friend. You're a racist, but you're my friend. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, oh, that's right. Later on, the judgment comes. That's when we start judging them by what they say. And then before you know it, it's all over the place and all this blah, 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 you know? 
blah, blah. It's kind of like the Peanuts cartoon. The, I love the teacher and Charlie Brown's uh, you know, uh, cartoons that she says such important things. Wah, 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 wah. That's what it is sometimes. We, we, we go and get on that page we, or we look at the feed there and all of a sudden, wah, 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 wah. That's okay because we got the finger and we can roll it, baby. <laughs> scroll, scroll, scroll your, your page, la, 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 la. And I, listen, I love social media. We're on social media right now. Hopefully someone will hear a word and know that God loves them and that people love them. But I'm telling you that people are not going to be reached by the this. It's just not going. It's wah, 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 wah. And they read that and then wah, 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 the next one. And then there's a wonderful recipe of raspberry muffins. And then we stop when we look at it and it's just, you know, I'm joking, okay? Don't take me serious. I like, I probably would like raspberry muffins, you know. Please, nobody bring me any next Sunday, okay? I'm not asking for them. But, but the thing is, is that here he is being judged and, you know, people's opinion. Either here's a people of opinions or people's opinions or people judge. It's Laodicea. It's what the, the name means. This church was the worst of the churches. Out of all the seven churches. And it wasn't as though they were evil in intent. But they were distant in relationship. They were deceived of who they were. They were deceived of who they were. And I just wonder if the church of Jesus Christ today, if we were to really take proper evaluation an inventory of our relationship with God and what we're doing, and we suddenly say, wait a minute, we don't want to be that way. I don't want to. How many times have you gotten up during the day or at the end of the day and you say, I don't want to be this way. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be this. I don't want to commit sin. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to fail anymore. But the, the church would just wake up and take inventory and say, you know what? I'm not going to be that guy anymore. The Lord, change me. Forgive me and transform my life. Bring me revival, Lord. Let me be real on fire for you and loving you with a great passion. But Laodicea, they had all the trimmings and the workings of an awesome church. But they were within their own self-confidence that they were doing what they were doing. They had just totally forgotten what was going on. So here, let's read Revelation chapter 3. You kind of know what I'm talking about. You know, I'm not just reading something off of Facebook. Here we go. Revelation chapter 3. Verse 14, and to the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, these things says the amen. And we talked about that last Wednesday. You, you, you want to know what the word amen means? Truth. Jesus called himself amen. True. Truth. He's amen. Every time you say amen to a sermon, you're saying, you know what? Hey, 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 hey. That's the truth. That's true. Amen. Amen or amen. 
He said, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot, and I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I'm rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Do you see, they, they didn't understand, they didn't recognize where they really were and who they were. He said, he gives a solution, I counsel you to buy from me. You got to go to the Jesus market. You got to go to the Jesus place. You got to go to the source. If you're really going to have something that is formidable and valuable in the kingdom of God. The Bible says our righteousness is as of filthy rags before God. We got to go to Jesus. We have to go to Jesus. We, he's made it that way. Now it's not because we have this egotistical God that expects all his little minions to go to him and request and beg that things would happen. No. God knows who we are. He knows that we're human beings. He knows that some of us have a loose lip. Some of us uh, have a loose tongue and we cuss every once in a while. We get mad. Or even like my wife says, sometimes people Christian cuss. Christian cuss. I'll let you define what Christian cussing is. You know, it's the byword sort of, of what is the bad word. And it's just like, you know, you know. Anymore on television, the bleeps don't really work anymore. Have you noticed that? It still somehow or another comes out anyway. The bleep, because I don't think anybody wants to bleep anymore. Everybody wants to blab. They want to say whatever and it doesn't matter. They can curse and curse God. It doesn't matter. You can lie and not be responsible for it. And tell lies on people and not be responsible for it. And let it do all the damage that it's going to do. But see, the one who said he's true, amen, and he's true, the truthful one, he says, it can't be that way. He says, you really think you're something, but you're not. You really think that you're, that you're wealthy and rich, but you're miserable, wretched, poor, naked without me. you got to go to the Jesus market and him, truly him. Notice I didn't say the church market. You don't go to the church market. You go to church and still be lost. But you'll have a hard time being a Christian if you don't go to church. Yeah, I mean, really, come on. When you're in love with that person sitting next to you right now, you just couldn't help but be with that person. You hung on the phone for hours and hours, doing, saying nothing but, darling and honey, I long for you to be with me. I mean, now I'm so old and experienced in life, it just kind of makes me a little, little sick. But I mean, it just... Uh, but you know, that's love. That's love. That's, that's affection. That's love. And oh, I just can't stand. I just, oh, do I have to go home? I don't want to leave you. It's hard to leave. And that's why God provided marriage. So you don't have to leave anymore, okay? But you go and you separate and go on because you want to, you long to want to be with them. Let me tell you, in the poison environment that we're living in right now, toxic environment of, of, of filth, of cursing, 
of depression, of darkness, looming everywhere, what's around the corner, I don't know. You know that kind of mindset today? I'm telling you, we need to be so in love with Jesus Christ and really buy into this thing called being his body and his body want to be with the head and want to be worship him and glorify him. I want to give credit where credit is due. I want to walk through the doors and the front doors be the doors of thanksgiving because God has blessed me and, and, and possessed my life and preserved me and healed me and helped me and I thank you Jesus but then those two double doors walking into the inner courts I want to enter in with praise and glorifying God because look what God has done with me this week uh, he has forgiven me he has supported me he he has touched me. He has ministered to me. He has clothed me. He has fed me. He has protected me. I'm telling you, I want to step in here, raise up my holy hands, and thank my holy God. Don't tell me you're doing that in your living room. You're not. Hey, I'm real. I'll tell you, I'm a realist. Because when I'm at home in my living room, I don't do it so much. Do it some. Because I'm human. I'm saying dive in. Dive in. Jesus telling Laodiceans, dive in. You got to let me, let me take, take the reins. Let me take the rule. Let's quit. Let's quit worshiping the weekend and let's start worshiping God. Slate out God his hour and a half time that's due him. That simple gift of offering to him, give it to him. You'll feel a whole lot better. I'll tell you what, when you don't, when folks don't go to church, i tell you what happens to me when I don't go to church. I'm on vacation, I'm out of town, whatever. I look at the watch and I know exactly kind of what's going on. It just, it just kind of rubs me. It's not because I'm a pastor, although it's, it's, it's our life to give God glory and praise, to give him honor on the seventh day of the week or the first day of the week to put God first you put God first God will bless you because I'll tell you what happened you know the time and Christians know the time they'll be in church and they're not and I will tell you they won't enjoy that time like they normally would they start realizing maybe I could have went to church you know what's I'm saying these are perilous times we're living in there are doctrines of devils that are floating in the atmosphere. The devil is flying. The Lord of the air is still flying about. And these being the last days, he is working real hard to change us in the wrong direction, to move us in the wrong direction. Or we can keep having our formalities and be lukewarm. And be lukewarm. You know, I, I put in my time. That's it. You know, go. Make the best of it. You know, there's an old saying to success in life. It's called, wherever you are, be there. Be there. You're in the house of the Lord. Be in the house of the Lord and glorify him and be there. Can I get an amen out of that one? Someone told me the other day, he said, my preaching's going to change. I'm going to get a little more bolder. And I don't know. I guess it is. I, I really got to make sure it's boldness of the Holy Spirit. And not preacher attitude. 
pastor attitude. No, that can happen too, you know. So I prayed. I said, now, Lord, am I mad at anybody today? Am I upset with anybody today? I'm not. God bless his church and his people. Rodney Pike Church of God is the greatest church on, the, on this planet. I just happen to believe it. It has nothing to do with the pastor. It has everything to do with the chief shepherd. This is a great place and fellowship. And people are welcome with all their mistakes and all their brokenness and all their, all their situations, all their tatters. They can come in broken and the Lord can heal them and help them. And people will find love in this house. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in this, in this house. And this is a people that's not trying to be famous. We're just trying to be pleasing to our Savior because he's done so much for us. I finally decided why and realized why I preach and sweat so much and work so hard. I don't know. I guess I could put myself in the Bible. Maybe I'm hot. Like Jesus was saying, acceptable, hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm, you're unacceptable. I'll vomit you, vomit you out of my mouth. I can't really say that, that I'm hot, but I will tell you. There is somebody that I wish I could have him appear before you today and tell you he has done so much for me that I just got to yell and carry on. It's not in my personality. If you know me personally, I really don't want to hang out too much. You know, I, I'm not that kind of, I'm, an, I'm not an extrovert, but there's something that flows within me that changes me in a different way that I just can't help but speak those things which I've seen and heard. I just can't help but get all fired up and excited and yell and screaming. I've tried to be maybe a little bit more professional, but I found out I'm not professional. I may get a paycheck, but I'm really not that, that prime and special professional. But I will tell you this. There will never be anything else that will come out of my mouth that will lead you, guide you, give you in. Uh, let me tell you, my opinion, your opinion means nothing. This opinion means it all. And Laodicea, they thought people's opinion was important. But the moment that people's opinion gets in the way of this book, it is heresy and it's contrary to the ways of God. I don't care if humans don't like it. It don't feel good. It don't look nice. It it's not very prim and proper. I feel uncomfortable when a preacher gets up and starts preaching this word. I don't care if people feel that way. I want you to know if you feel that way, the Holy Ghost is trying to get a hold of you and God is dialing your number and he's telling you, come on, I want to forgive you. I want to transform you. I want to change your life. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. You better make sure you, saints, we better make sure we're living according to this word. Not according to popular opinion. Because our opinions can lead us astray. Our opinions are a lot of times influenced by our emotions. But we must have a biblical worldview. What does Jesus say about it? What does God say about it? Then make your decision. Yeah, get your teenager upset. They want to go do something. Well, let's go see what God says about it. 
Oh, no. Not that again. But I'll tell you what happened. When they get to be a little older, they're on their own. They're married. They got struggles and problems and fears and issues. You know what happened? They'll suddenly remember mom and dad who were the old fogies who used to go to the Bible. They're going to think, you know what? I believe there's something in that book and I'm going to go to that Bible. I'm going to find out the answer of my life and the solution of my life. Uh, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Amen. So give it to your kids. Give it in large doses. Large doses. Oh, what it is my mom when she gave me medicine, over-the-counter medicine, it always seemed to be large doses. I said, Mama, does it taste like cherry? No, it tastes like medicine. But after I got it, I realized I got a good dose of something. God wants you to have a good dose of him. Fall in love with him. Get excited about Jesus. Get excited about Jesus. I'm, I'm all over. That's okay. When people's opinions become more important than Christ or the word, then the people will be judged. And Laodicea began to be judged. God was dealing with them. What happened to them was that they lost their strength. In the Christian life, there are three spiritual temperatures. A burning heart on fire for God, a cold heart, or a lukewarm heart. Lukewarm Christians are comfortable. They're complacent. They don't even realize their need, just like Laodicea didn't realize their need. This allusion to the Laodicean water, the water supply, it's, it's a fitting metaphor Jesus used. You know, when Jesus walked on the earth, see, he would speak of things around him so people would get the message. That's exactly how he even did his letters, the, seven church, uh, the letters to the seven churches in Revelation. He would use things that was in them, around them, so that they might see the spiritual message. And so the Laodicean water supply is a fitting metaphor for the activities of that church. Laodicea had always had a problem with its water supply. The city of Heropolis to the northwest was famous for its hot mineral springs. An aqueduct was, had been built to bring water to the city from the hot springs. And it was a long journey. I mean miles before it finally reached the city of Laodicea. Here is Laodicea with its vast buildings that were millions and they were a wealthy, wealthy city. They were a city that was strong in the banking world, strong in the textile world, strong even in the medical world with an ointment that they had evolved from a stone. I'm really interested about that. You know, here, let me stick this rock in your eye. I'm sure it will make you see better. But it's no telling what we're taking anyway, so it, it would be amazing what some of these, these medicines are anyway that, that, that we take today. So, but here it then built an aqueduct to bring water to the city from a hot springs. But by the time the water reached the city, it was neither hot 
nor refreshingly cool, only lukewarm and filled with minerals and pure. And so it tasted terrible. So it laid to see you, don't drink the water. And when Jesus used the metaphor of hot and cold, they knew exactly what he was talking about because they were taking it and had to deal with it. You know, I, when I went to South America, there was a city in Ecuador that our overseers, one of our church leaders were there, and he had lived there, raised there, grew up in, in Ecuador. And, and I, I said, well, you know, the thing was, was the parasite in the water. You had to be careful. You're not, you know, uh, from America, you better not drink the water. This parasite, it make you terribly ill. It could put you in the hospital, even kill you. And so he's there, and he's with us. And I thought, well, here's this guy. He grew up here, a little kid. He probably just drinks ice water, fresh from the... No, he drinks bottled water. He said, I, are you kidding? I never drink this water here. And I even grew up here. So here's Laodicea. It says, uh, by the time the water reached them, the water was lukewarm and filled with minerals, and it tasted terrible. According to Jesus, these believers were neither hot nor cold. Instead, they were merely lukewarm. As bland as the lukewarm water that came into their city. You know, many people think, and I even used to think about the comparison here. Jesus said, I, would you be cold or hot because you're lukewarm? I spew you out of my mouth. I used to think that the cold was, uh, you know, that, that you know, we think of in the, the analogy of hot is really hot on fire for God and cold is distant away from God. And then lukewarm is almost there, but not quite there in the middle and midway. And that maybe the cold people are those that don't even have faith at all without any sort of growth in them. And lukewarm believers had a little bit in them, but not enough. They take, you know, they'll use the word cold to be negative, hot to be positive, but lukewarm to be in between. Instead, though, Scripture says cold and hot should be taken as positive. Christ wished that the church had cold, refreshing purity or hot therapeutic value, but they didn't have either one of them. It's kind of like you being in a restaurant. You sit there in a restaurant. The, the server comes and puts more in your coffee because your coffee's gotten cold a little bit and mm, freshen up your coffee. Oh, then all of a sudden your glass of water is down low a little bit. No ice. And come on. Oh, let me get you another water. And, and it's filled with ice and it's cold. It's refreshingly cool. But if they come back, you know, the reason why is because they know you don't want to drink lukewarm water. You want cold water. I don't know about you, but you, I can't have enough ice. I can't have it. I like it cold. I like it hot. I, just, I don't like it in between room temperature stuff. They say preachers ought to drink room temperature, and I suffer through a little bottle every once in a while because it's bad on the throat if you're drinking something cold. But I will tell you, Jesus is saying here, I would you be cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And they knew exactly what he was talking about. We enjoy it uh, in the restaurant, how that our drinks are taken care of. There's a second law that I found of thermodynamics. It requires what is called a closed system. Eventually, it moderates so that no more energy is being produced. Unless something is added from the outside, the system decays and dies. That's why, for example, without added fuel in our hot water tanks, the boiler stops and it and it won't ever heat up, and the water's cold. You go take your showers, there's something's wrong. 
without electricity. The refrigerant in the freezer becomes warm without electricity. That's why the church cannot be a closed system. Jesus said, I am the vine and you're the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. And apart me, you can't do nothing. That's in John 15 and 5. So in other words, outside Jesus, you, you can't have anything. Jesus is saying, Laodicea, you're cold, you're putrid, you make me sick. I wonder how we would feel if Jesus walked in. And we say, oh, Jesus, you're here. And we go to greet him and shake his hand and hug, and hug him. And then he says, you know, you're sickening. You make me want to vomit. You made me sad. Oh, Jesus. We should say, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. Change me. Make me right, oh, Lord. For the fellowship I have with you is more valuable than anything. I really wonder, and I even wonder, I think, dear God, is our church like that? Would you walk in, Jesus, and say, man, this is sickening. Would he walk in your home? You go to greet him. And he'll say, man, I'm telling you, I'm about ready to hurl. This is something we need to think about in our relationship. I'm not trying to bring you down. This is the way we go up. Now, this is the way we go up. Is that, you know, we're not under the laws of gravity. We're in the laws of Christ. We go down to him before him, submit himself. He that humbles himself shall be exalted in due season. Be lifted up. So Laodicea, here you are. Here they are, Jesus said. He said, let's go on and close out with these verse, verses of scripture. In, in Revelation, in Revelation, let me tell you, the context of Laodicea is this. Laodicea was a wealthy city, a banking center had lots of gold and wealth. The city was proud of its cloth and the dyeing industry, which dyeing cloth industry. They had developed a black wool that had become famous all over the Roman Empire and was bringing in huge prices and money. Although they had wealth in their clothing, they were naked before God. They were self-centered, but Christ told them to purchase white garments, his righteousness from him, so they would not be ashamed of their nakedness let me tell you, don't let Christianity, your Christian walk, be ruled with the same principles of Goldilocks. Goldilocks went into the house of the three bears, which, you know, that's breaking and entering, but I guess if you're desperate, hey, and she had blonde hair. Maybe it was just a bad decision. I don't know, but, she, but she's wandering the wilderness. She needs somewhere to go. She broke and went in the house. Well, no, she didn't break in. Really, the dumb bears left the door unlocked. You can get whatever you want to out of that. But the, left the door unlocked. She walks in. And you know what she did? She went and she found the bowls of porridge. And she judged the porridge. Took one bite of one bowl. Oh, this is too hot. And then she took a bite of another bowl. And this is too cold. And then she took a bite of something warm, lukewarm, and this is just right. Don't let Goldilocks lead your faith in Christ. Don't you dare say, this is just right. I'm comfortable. This is good. This works for me. I'm going to find me a church where I or they can fit in with me. Don't let 
lukewarmness set in your life. These are the last days. Jesus is coming back. He's going to come back for those who are waiting and looking and watching. He's going to, he's going to come back those who have the robes washed white and pure as snow. And that there's no spot or blemish upon it. Because they've made up their mind they're going to serve Christ. Now that is not, that is not this thing of you've got to be careful, spot or blemish. You better be paranoid and scared to death. No, just be in love with Jesus. Love him, truly love him and serve him and humble yourself before him. And then he said, having gold that was tried in the fire, refined in the fire. Oh, Lord, we don't want problems, God. We don't want trials, God. Usually that's what I see on Facebook is all the moaning about the problems that people have. And they post it up there. Let me tell you, I'm going to tell you something about your big crowd. They really don't care what's going on. And you're like, oh, they got the same garbage going on in their life come on now let's get real but there is a lord and master that cares there is a savior that cares and you can fall on your knees and ask oh lord forgive me cleanse me help me deliver me provide for me god i put my trust in you let me come alive and be on fire so if you're going through something right now praise god did you know that's the response of the Christian? You're going through trial? Praise God! You're getting what you've done you shouldn't have done and now you're facing the results? Praise God! Because there's a lesson in it all. God's working on your behalf and he's working in you. Praise God for the trial! Because your gold is not good enough. But he has a gold that's refined in the fire of trials. And through the trials, your gold is refined. And then you're really wealthy in the Lord. And life, you don't have to look for a lot of trials. It just happens, doesn't it? Huh? But let your gold be tried and refined in the fire. Get a robe of righteousness that's white. He says, I know you're great in your textile industry, but ain't good enough. You're naked. Your wherewithal and your ingenuity ain't, ain't enough, my friend. Your own self-righteousness and enlightenment of God and who God is ain't enough. It's a robe of righteousness of white, a cleansing purity only Christ can give you. If you don't have it, you're naked. You're poor. You're destitute. You're wretched. And sin will take you there. And Satan would want you to live there. But since you're comfortable, everything's okay. It's kind of like, I don't know anything about, anybody know anything about Elf on a Shelf? Anybody know about Elf on a Shelf? I don't know. I just know that there's this picture of this Elf sitting on the shelf. I guess the kids are supposed to be good during Christmas time because the Elf is on the shelf. But if we're not careful, we'll put Jesus on the shelf. And say, Jesus, that's where you, you stay there till I need you later on. And, and, and then later, I, you know, you there. No, he has to be master, my friends. Master of your life and savior. And he loves you. Ain't nobody going to love you like God. Ain't nobody going to treat you like God. Ain't nobody going to accept you like God. And some of you who have godly moms and dads, and they love the Lord, all their goodness, all their graciousness comes straight from the portals of glory. Because the goodness comes from the Lord. It comes from God. <laughs> my mama, with all her problems, my mama had such a, a life. 
Mama had breakdowns, attempted suicide in her former life. My mama just, you know, raised by an alcoholic, then ended up marrying a man who cheated and then lost him, penitentiary and death. And stepfather comes around, and lo and behold, she marries another alcoholic. A lot of problems. But my mama heard the voice of Jesus. She went to the altar and said, Oh, Lord, save me of my sins. Save my family. She broke the curse that's upon the family line by going to Jesus. And all my brothers and sisters eventually lined up in church, all got baptized. All of them got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because that, that woman decided, you know, this is in the line, this way of life. I ain't going to live this way anymore. And all the goodness come out of my mama came from Jesus Christ. And God transformed her life. And she eventually went on to glory, serving Jesus Christ and loving him to the very end. But she knew what Jesus could do in your life. How many here are witnesses to say, I know what Jesus can do in my life? Oh, if you only knew me what I used to be and what I am now. It's been by the goodness and grace of God. Don't you want more of it? Don't you want more of it? Don't you want more of that grace and more of it? If you have that desire, you won't be lukewarm. You'll be close to him. Do you stand with me right now?